Welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast. I'm excited uh, on this episode to have Heather Forthover from Washington State, and she's going to be sharing a little bit of, uh, with us about her operation. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I understand you just completed farm chores just as uh, uh, we started to, to have our conversation. So uh, good day on the farm today, I hope. Absolutely. Um, what does a... Uh, typical day look like on the farm for you for me um it is making sure that i fill their waters make sure they have fresh water you know at least twice a day feed them their meals twice a day they eat pasture but they need supplement as well and then um make sure they have wallows when it's hot and get any rain off of their shabby tarp roofs for the moment um (laughs) that's collecting so they don't collapse on them um and then i just i inspect every single pig i have here Oh, so I go out and interact with them every day, make sure they're all good. Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. That's good to have hands on every day. Well, let's um, well, let's talk ab- about your setup here. Tell us tell us a little bit about your setup, uh, the name of your farm, and, and just, uh, just what you have going on there. So I am Bittersweet Family Farm, and we are located in the very north part of Washington, close to Canada, um, in Deming. And we live in a beautiful valley. So one challenge I have is it's a very beautiful valley, but I don't have any trees on my property. So my pigs don't have shade. Mm -hmm. So wallows are extremely important as well as shelters from the sun Um, and rain because it's Washington. Um, It's we purchased this farm actually just came up on my Facebook today that one year ago today we we were officially pending on this farm. So we moved up here shortly after and it was an empty field. So we had zero fencing, we had zero nothing and we had to get fencing up, move our, move some animals, sold some, and then build up from, from there. So it's been, it's been a busy year for sure. Yeah. So did it have any infrastructure at all? Any, any barns, outbuildings, anything like that? I assume a dwelling. Nothing at all. There was a dwelling. Hmm. That was it. A dwelling in a small shed that's like the pump house, but that's really it. So we built a 10 by 10 shed to store feed in um, and bedding. And that's what I've been working out of for the last year. Tomorrow, my barn is supposed to go up. It's just going to be a steel building, but I am super excited to have it. Oh, yeah. That'll be great having that extra space. Okay. Well, um, so... So that was just this year that you purchased the 25 acres uh, uh, yeah. back up a couple years. How long have you been doing this, and how did you get started with uh, raising pigs? I have only been doing this for about, I think this is going into my fourth year. And I, me and my husband are both first-generation farmers. There's no farming anywhere in any of our family histories. And he wanted chickens. We bought five acres, was our previous residence, and... Uh, he wanted chickens. I was dead set against it. They are the gateway drug to farming. And we had we had like tripled our flock by the end of the week. And one of them wandered off one day and I was, you know, well, didn't wander off. It was realistically, it was an eagle or a coyote, got it. And 
optimistic me. I'm like, well, maybe it wandered over to the neighbor's house. And we had never even met our neighbor before. And so we walked over there and our neighbor had two and a half acres and he had chickens and pigs and cows over there. I was like, huh, we could do that. We could raise our own meat. And so we got two pigs to raise for ourselves and we absolutely fell in love with them. And it's just exploded from there. So excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a funny thing about uh, chickens. Yes, they are the, the gateway animal and then pigs. Once you interact with them, they you just, you just don't realize they're amazing how much animals. Exactly. They really are amazing. Okay. So uh, first generation farmers, what, um, I assume you had gainful employment uh, leading up to that. Are you, are you still doing a uh, main gig or is this your main gig? I was a nurse. Um, I was a nurse for seven, eight years employed and going on my ninth year. But this last year, I have not worked as a nurse once. When we bought this farm, I quit my job. And but thankfully, my husband has a good job. Um, and I am a full-time farmer now. So it's been a challenge, though, because of the move. And we had to decrease our herd size before we could move up here and increase it. So we didn't have that cash flow from selling the pork or the piglets because I needed to build up my own herd and uh, so my husband's job thankfully is a good one and he was able to support feeding them through this winter and just this last month we're finally seeing a turnaround in that Hmm. so it's been rough (laughs) yeah yeah that would be definitely well, um, are you? I know you have chickens there. What other what other animals are you uh, raising on your on your farm? We have three Highland cows, two of which we are hoping are pregnant, and um, two donkeys. Which the donkeys are just our forever farm friends. The rest are all for food. Hmm. Yeah. Well, excellent. Yeah, that does sound like a pretty good menagerie you have there. Yeah. Okay, well let's uh, t- let's talk about uh, specifically with your pigs uh, breed. Uh, yeah, do you do do you do AI? Do you have a boar and uh, the number that you have right now? So we have one boar, and he is half Berkshire and half large black. He is the most docile pig I've ever met. Um, and then my sows are Berkshire or Hampshire. Um, I have two Hampshire and four four Berkshire. And then one cross Berkshire. Um, and that's what we have right now. I'm having one to two litters a month out of my boar. And the litters average about 10 to 12 at weaning time. So, Yeah, that's not bad at all. That's a pretty good litter average. Yeah. So are you... Do you do you did you specifically choose the Berkshire uh, for, for a specific reason? Or that's just what was available for you? So when we, I mean, we got our very first pigs, they were Berkshire crosses and we liked those. And initially we were thinking we wanted to go, don't, don't hate me for this, but like the Cooney Cooney route or something like that. Mm. Cause we didn't know pigs. And then I did some more research and I fell in love with what I was reading about the large blacks. And I like the Berkshires and what their qualities are in meat. So I wanted the, I wanted a large black boar and Berkshire sows, but I came across a 50-50 from registered parents boar, and I was like, I have to go get them. So we drove all the way across the state, spent the night, picked up two pigs, and came back home. And he's been with us since. He's the only boar we've ever had. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Excellent. Sounds like he's been doing his job quite well then. Oh, he's very prolific. A <laughs> <laughs> pig with a perpetual smile on his face. <laughs> yes. All right. So, um, so with those litters that you're having on a regular basis, how are you? Uh, how are you managing that on your pasture? How are you uh, rotating that? How are you? Are you keeping them separate? Um, how do you see that from start to finish? So, as a breeder, we I do face additional challenges. I can't just move the whole herd together because I would have way too many pregnant gilts out there. Um, so, what I have, and it's like I said, when we moved here, there was zero fencing. So, we've slowly been adding to it. We, right now, we have six acres fenced for the pigs. So, it's not ideal, but I keep my boar and anyone who is not nursing babies or about to deliver babies in one area and um, just rotate them around in there with a sacrifice area for their food and water and their shelter. And then the mamas, as they're about to farrow, I separate them about a week before and then I leave them with their babies. And then after seven weeks is about when I wean them and they move the moms back in with the boar and leave the babies where they are. Because then there's two fences between them and their moms. So I haven't had many problems with little fence jumpers yet. Um, And then the grow out pigs that I have, I have two groups of 20 right now. And this summer I will be officially making them a sacrifice area and rotational paddocks within their areas. But because we moved up here and had to, you know, get the pigs out there. The areas are a little overused right now, but they're still grass growing and they're still munching away out there, but it's a lot more dirt present than I would like to see, Mm -hmm. but I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's always a, a challenge there, especially as you in the process of building infrastructure and getting your, your pastures figured out. (laughs) So with the, uh, with the amount of hogs that you're having, amount of piglets you're having are, is a majority of them going to finish that that you're processing them? Or are you are you selling any for uh, for growers for others? I sell to people who only want a couple, or if they live far away, I'll sell them. You know, up to eight. But I try to not sell to other people as as piglets frequently because that is my competition. So if I'm trying to sell my meat, you know, my pigs as pork and pork products then if everyone's buying and raising out their own or if they're raising out eight, the people they're selling to are my customer or my potential customers. So I try to avoid that as best I can. Hmm. But currently because, you know, I'm still building up to the level I want to be at, I don't quite have a market for all of my pork. So I'm selling a few more piglets than I would like to. Um, about half of what is born here is getting sold as a wiener pig. And half of it's going to pork right now. Okay. Yeah, that's that's always a tricky balance. Um, it really is. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I want to go back and, and talk a little bit about um, about your setup again with uh, where you are in uh, the top corner of Washington. I was looking. You're you're not very far from the Canadian border, are you? No. It's it's if I Google like the closest store, it's about a half a mile further to go to Canada than to the nearest town. Okay. So. There you go. So, so what is that uh, temperament like? What does that give you as far as seasons go? What does that give you as far as soil type? You'd already mentioned you're in a valley that doesn't have any trees. What other challenges or benefits do you have from being in that area? So we get a lot of rain in the winter. It doesn't generally get as cold as, say, the Midwest or the East Coast. Um, 
this past February was pretty brutal here. Um, we had a, about a month of freezing and snow, which is uncharacteristic for this part of the country. We generally just have a wet winter. We'll have about a week of freezing, maybe a snowfall. We, um, spring is gorgeous and wet. Um, fall is really mild. Summer's here. You're in the valley. It gets a little hotter than what I'm used to. We were at about 106 last year for a couple of weeks in the oh, wow. summer, which was, yeah, so keeping those wallows full was, was a big chore. Um, but there's not a lot of bugs. There's not a, I mean, there is predators, but the pigs don't seem to be an issue for that. They're pretty, pretty hardy little buggers. Um, but temper temperature i'd say summer average is like 80s in the summer but it's always cool at night which helps a lot and in the winter it doesn't get cold cold at night so a typical winter it's high 30s low 40s during the day and maybe low mid 30s at night hmm. so it's not it's not too harsh which is nice it's a lot of mud though in in the winter and spring yeah I know what that's like. A lot of mud. <laughs> a lot of mud. I can understand that. So um, that's this last winter that you had where you had this uh, unseasonable cold and snow. How did that, uh, what challenges did that bring to you and your pigs? Well, for me personally, thankfully we had just run our water lines um, prior to the freeze. So I actually had water near the pigs. So it was just a matter of thawing out the nipples on their, their water barrels and I could keep heaters in a couple, but I don't have electricity everywhere. So as you know, breaking ice and making sure they had water they could get to. Um, but they don't seem to mind the snow so much. It was kind of funny watching the pregnant sows, like very pregnant sows, barreling through with their bellies dragging. But um, they didn't seem to mind the snow and cold so much. They're they they can put off some heat. You can see the steam coming out of their houses in the mornings. So. Yeah, they definitely they definitely know how to keep warm. Mine always uh, yes. like, like to pack together. It looks like a pack of hot dogs laying there, and it's when it's really cold. Yeah, my biggest challenge was I actually had a litter of piglets born during that, like the coldest part of that, and it was they did great though. Um, we did lose a couple because they were trying to stay a little too warm with their mom, um, but the rest of them are hearty and they did great. Yeah, it seems uh, seems that sows need know when it's the worst worst weather day of the year to. Yes, prepare. they seem to. But yeah. I've been very lucky since we've moved here. They've been daytime farrowings, which that's unheard of. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> I've had six in a row now. <laughs> it's a streak. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I definitely would keep those uh, keep those genetics if that's indeed what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about your feed. I, I was reading some things on your website about uh, your, your feed setup. What um, what are you able to pr uh, provide for your pigs? So aside from the pasture, um, I ferment when the weather permits. Um, I ferment a mix of peas and oats and barley. I add a little bit of brewer's yeast and some probiotics to it. And, they, and then I also feed them some locally milled feed just to make sure they're getting all the nutrients they need. Because um, I am relatively new to this stuff, you know, it's only been a couple of years. So I want to make sure they're getting everything they need to be healthy, happy pigs. So, but they love the fermented feed. That's their favorite. And it also helps me because any peas, you know, field peas that make it out the other end, they then grow 
in the field. So it's extremely helpful to me. They seed. <laughs> right. Yeah. We do that with pumpkins. <laughs> oh, they love the pumpkins. Yeah. So that's interesting. So with the number of pigs that you have at, at any given time, your, your, your growers and of course your breeding stock. So you're, you're doing fermented, uh, fermented feed on all those. Um, I, I got to admit, since I moved here and I'm feeding them out of a 10 by 10 shed, they're not getting as much as I would like them to because mm-hmm. sure. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I they're they're eating 500 pounds of the feed from the mill a day. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they have about 100 out there. So five pounds a day and then the fermented feed as well. Um, so they're not getting a lot of that right now. My barn is supposed to go up tomorrow. Thank God. And I will get that rolling again. But it's. I, I give it to the, the grow outs in a lesser quantity and I feed the breeding stock a little more and their babies a little more just because it's easier for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because feeding 20 pigs in each pen or 30 pigs in each pen, that's a lot to carry out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's always the, I, I love, <laughs> I love these feed options that I, that I hear people using with, uh, some of their custom stuff fermented, some of these extra hands-on elements, and, and 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 you find, of course, uh, the more pigs you have, the the harder that is to scale that process up. So it's always it really to is, yeah. and it's it's hard to keep enough fermented to feed them all as much as I would like to. So hopefully, having the barn will make a big difference for me. Yeah, that that would be great. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, sales, if you don't mind. So you're you're finishing out these hogs, you're selling them as holes and halves, but uh, you're in a cooperative, aren't you? Yeah, I'm part of the North Cascades Meat Producers Cooperative, and I initially joined that because in western Washington, USDA processing is not readily available to small farmers. In order for me to get anything USDA processed, I have to drive at least three or four hours um, each way, which is not the most convenient thing in the world. So I joined the cooperative because they offered USDA processing on a mobile truck, which is amazing. Um, but the the one thing I ran into is the the butcher, which happens to be the same butcher I always used as a custom butcher. Um, they just they they teamed up with the cooperative to do the USDA for the cooperative. And um, but they are not approved to make bacon and sausage for USDA. So that that was like a slap in the face to me, and it was another hurdle I had to overcome. But I did find a place not too far from the butcher that I just recently got my first batch of USDA sausage and bacon back from him, and it's amazing, and I've gotten rave reviews. So it's it's a challenge to get the products to sell individually. You know, custom pigs I could sell no problem, but mm-hmm. to get the product to sell has been the biggest challenge for us. Yeah, that seems to be the ongoing theme uh, with, with people we talk to throughout the country. It seems like there's definitely a shortage um, of, of USDA certified, the regulations that go along with that, the issues with certified. And the smoke. cost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and the cost. So how does that work with the uh, the mobile units? So being part of the cooperative, do you all get together and say, okay, let's schedule our processing here, and the trailer comes around and just makes a round when it's time to process? So... What I've been doing is, because I'm not doing a full day's worth of slaughter at a time, if I was, then they would come here and do it. But 
I'm just bringing my pigs either to a neighboring farm when they do it or down to um, the butcher. They have a the owner of the butcher company. They own they have a farm and a stall and they they bring the mobile truck there. So generally, I'll just drive my pigs down there and offload them there. Hmm. Interesting. Have you all run into any uh, biosecurity issues or any uh, transmission of, of, of disease or any issues like that by transporting pigs back and forth to each other's farms? No, it's it's been really good. Um, there's That said, there's not a lot of pig producers around me. It's mostly cattle. Um, so a lot of what's being done is cows, and I'm one of the very few people doing pigs oh, wow. at this level in this area. So pig farmers aren't common where I'm at. Okay, good, good. That helps. <laughs> Which is good for me as, you know, when, for marketing, but yeah. So so being tucked up in the corner of Washington State, how does that affect, uh, do you have the ability to, to move any of your product across the, uh, the border, or does it really have to stay in state or in country? You know, I've never tried, so I honestly don't know. Um, I've just expanded to the USDA market, so I don't know what would be involved with doing Canada, but it's definitely something I'm interested in looking in. Um, I, I do know that, like, buying pigs from across the border is not that complicated, and I may be getting my next boar from Canada. So Canadian boar. I'll have a little bit of an accent, won't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so with your pig sales, how, how have you found, uh, how do you find your customers? What's, what's the general path there? I assume you obviously have some repeat customers, but what's your best avenue for finding new customers? Um, I use a lot of Facebook and social media and um, just word of mouth. And I'm hoping that doing the farmer's markets this year is going to make a big difference as well. Um, it's it's really hard. It's growing pains, you know, because prior to moving here, I wasn't doing the volume I'm doing. I was, you know, just I had enough for my custom customers. And now I'm trying to branch that out and balance how many pigs I have and how many I send a butcher and where I'm going to store it and how fast I can offload it. Um, so it's it's a growing pain this year that I'm still working through. But um, it's it's going well. I've got a couple restaurants interested in my pork now, and and then a couple markets I'll be selling at. So yeah, that was going to be my next question about uh, about restaurants. So you you're you're getting some discussion going there with some local restaurants. Yeah, I just recently started reaching out to them, and I've got one that's going to be getting a half a pig here soon. So I hope that goes well, and just keep working on it. Marketing is the biggest part of the job. It is, isn't it? Yes. It's the and, yeah. Sadly, it's not just loving on the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, all right. So your farm, you, you mentioned that you're going to start doing some farmer's markets this year. Is that a single market? Is that one day a week? How's that going to work out as far as uh, proximity to your farm go? So I'm going to be doing two, two a couple counties away. So that'll be two different days each week. Um, and I'm kind of sharing a booth with one of my cow producer friends. So she will cover me if I need to leave. And my parents also will be, we're building a house here as well. So my parents will be moving into the home that was here when we purchased the land. So once they're here, they'll be able to help out too, um, which is very fortunate. But I'm going to do those two markets. And then I have a very local one that's about five minutes away that I'm going to be doing a couple Saturdays a month at. So hmm. 
and that one won't. And my husband's home on the weekend, and he can help out as well on the farm when I'm doing those. Excellent. Yeah. Now, does the cooperative give you any uh, any benefits, any assets, any help when it comes to sales or marketing? Um, we do have a cooperative store. Um, it's not very well. I, I got to be honest. It's not very well advertised, and I haven't. They don't have. They sell beef there and they sell lamb there, but they haven't come up with prices to buy pork. We're kind of because, like I said, pork farmers are not very common in my region. Um, I'm kind of paving the way, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. and so I'm trying to get them to where they'll start buying. But if they're not advertising and selling, then it's kind of a waste for me. So I'm trying to find my own avenues. <clears throat> Interesting. Well, it sounds like you've got uh, a, a pretty good uh, line on your on your sales there, and and uh, as you as you ramp up, of course, reaching out to new markets. Um, what are you talked about a little bit about what you've got going on this year? But what are some other short term goals you have uh, for your operation? My short term goals are to get more fencing up and get my pastures that have been heavily used since the day we moved here to rest a little and regrow. <laughs> um, it's getting that barn up, getting set up to do more fermented feed, getting the fencing. It's all infrastructure and, you know, more shelters and all that good stuff. Because my barn is not going to be used regularly for animals other than my donkeys. Um, it will be used as a pass-through for slaughter and for um, farrowing during those really cold months, like my February litter this year. Um, but generally speaking, I love that my pigs have the instincts that they do, and I don't want to breed that out of them. So it's super important to me that they continue to have their babies on pasture whenever possible. Yeah, so. yeah that's great. Well, um, what about long term? What do you see um, a couple years down the road, maybe a five-year plan? My five-year plan, I would love to eventually have my own custom butcher shop on my property and my own farm store. That would be ideal just because the whole, you know, getting processing is such a, it's a very difficult situation. Um, so having that on my own farm and being able to sell everything right from here would be amazing for me. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Do you, do you see with the 25 acres you have, um, and you said that was it was all valley area there. How much do you see long term that that becomes a pig pasture access? Um, I think part of it's going to be garden because I want to grow them their pumpkins and their squashes and you know all that and also hay for bedding and for my cows. Um, I want to have at least twelve acres fenced for the pigs, and that I should be able to do by the end of this year. Um, and just have their areas set up properly where they have their sacrifice area and I can I can rotate them easily within their paddocks. Yeah, you'd mentioned earlier that you had some water lines in, so I assume you're going to try to plumb each of your, your potential paddocks. Yeah, we um and we, we pre planned when we put them in, we put in extras. <laughs> yeah. Um so what we did, we have a three acre it's like 50 feet by 200 feet, roughly. Um, no, sorry. 200 feet by 600 feet area that's fenced and divided. And then we have an alleyway and then another similar area divided 
again, and then we're going to put another alleyway, another area, and then up the side of our property as well, do the same thing. So it's very convenient when it's time to load up a pig in a trailer because we can just shoe those pigs into the alleyway and force them down to the gate with a truck waiting there. So it's kind of convenient. (laughs) Yes, that makes it nice. That is that is a, a very good thing about having a blank slate to start with. We could do what we wanted. It's a lot of work to do it. It's a lot of expense to do it, but we're doing we're doing it right. The fencing is all solid. I mean it's we do high tensile fencing um and electric and we have no problems. That's great. So your twenty five acres is is it relatively flat uh, on a on a slope? How how is it laid out? It's relatively flat. I mean, it's, you know, you got your rolling hills in there, but it, I'm, I'm sitting on my porch right now and I can see my pigs at the very back of the property. Hmm. So yeah, I'm jealous. Um, this uh, it's, it's beautiful here. <laughs> all of these flat letters where we are here in, in the Appalachian mountains, I have, a, I have a hundred acres and I probably have four acres that are actually flat. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, my, my 25 is flat. Yeah. So. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, Heather, as far as a closing question, I like to ask everybody on the podcast, what is your best experience or favorite parts about raising pigs on pasture? My favorite part is interacting with my pigs. I love them. They are such sweet animals. They really are. They all have a personality. They know my pigs are all named. Yes. Um, and they all know their name. But, but my favorite is probably my babysitting job when the mama's have their new babies and I go and feed them. The mamas will come out and they'll be hesitant to leave and they'll talk to me and tell me, you know, better take care of them. So I just go and sit and I sit and pet on the babies and love them and keep them warm because they lost their warm mama to go eat. That is my favorite part. That's great. I love it. Yeah. The daytime fairway makes that nicer too. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) It really, really does. Great. Great. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely something therapeutic about uh, just hanging out in the pasture with the pigs and just watching them interact with each other and and uh, get to see the personalities. That definitely makes Yeah, you can't fun. you can't have a bad day and be out there. It's just not even possible. Yeah, great. Excellent. Well, Heather, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down and talk with us for a little bit. If people want to learn more about your setup, where can they uh, find more information? Um, you can find us on Facebook as Bittersweet Family Farm or bittersweetfamilyfarm.com. Excellent. All right. Well, I hope you have a wonderful evening, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Heather. Bye. Well, I enjoyed that discussion with Heather and appreciate her taking the time to sit down and speak with me. Uh, be sure to check out her website, bittersweetfamilyfarm.com. And of course, check her out on Facebook as well if you want to see more about her operation. Um, not much on the as way as updates go uh, this week at Red Tool House. We've, uh, we've just been dealing with a little bit of heat. It's actually been hotter than the seventh circle of hell <laughs> on the farm. So uh, the pigs and I have been laying low. Uh, we like to, uh, they hang out in the shade. Um, they made a wall. In fact, it's it's kind of funny. Again, this is where uh, audio clashes with video uh, opportunities. But I was uh, operating my tractor the other day, clearing up an area that's outside. It's right on the edge of the pig pasture. Um, just doing some um, grading, getting some land uh, prep there. 
And uh, there's a spot. Again, we have West Virginia red clay, so if it makes a hole, if the pigs make a wallow there, it'll hold water and just continue to hold water. And it, and they get in there and they churn that mud and starts to look like uh, uh, you know cake batter. But uh, there was a wallow where I was I was trying to shut it down. It was right on the edge of the electric fence. In fact, they kept wallowing the mud out and and pushing it over on the electric fence and grounding it out, which couldn't have been pleasant for them either. Uh, so I wanted to shut that wallow down, so I was going to move the fence over about five feet. But first I want to get in there and grade all that out. First I have to turn the fence off, of course, and then take it down and, and get in there and work that with the tractor. And while I'm doing that, of course, pigs are super curious. They love hanging out with me, so they come around there and check. So every time I make a pass with the tractor to smooth out the area that they've wallowed, they stick their noses in it and start turning it back over. So it was kind of a race to see who could... Who could clear the land the fastest? You know, I'm knocking it down and they're humping it back up. <clears throat> so it's funny. We actually got some video of that, and I think that's actually going to be included in Friday's video, which uh, uh, which will be on our YouTube channel, Red Tool House uh, Homestead. So if you want to check that out, it's funny. Just kind of funny how pigs like to mess stuff up. Well, again, appreciate everyone listening. Um, we're we're running a little thin on interviews. I've got uh, probably another four or five left to air. And would really like to have more people to talk to. Uh, please uh, submit. Uh, go to our website, redtoolhouse.com. Click on the Pastured Pig podcast link. And there's just a little you know, tiny form there. Just put your information in. If you want to be interviewed or you suggest somebody that wants to be interviewed, love to talk to you and just talk about what you've got going on with your Pastured Pig operation. All right. Take care, everybody. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.